it's Lou Rosenfeld and you're listening to the Rosenfeld Review. And um, I am very pleased to have my friend Eduardo Ortiz join us today. Hi, Eduardo. Hey, Lou. How are you? I'm great. Glad to have you on. Thanks uh, for having me. Yeah. Uh, Eduardo is actually, along with Donna Leachaw, the very first person, uh, people I did a uh, podcast with uh, many years back. Uh, and I remember being really tight and nervous. I'm going to go back when this one is ready and compare the two and hopefully not be too embarrassed. <laughs> but it's great to have you. Uh, I've known Eduardo for quite a while. I remember going for a long walk at an IA summit in Phoenix with Eduardo and Samantha Starmer. And Eduardo, I think you were still in the Marines at the point, and you were uh, in was. between tours uh, in Afghanistan and Iraq. And uh, um, you were in good shape because I remember we were walking up Camelback Mountain. Is that what it's called? Camelback. Yes. <laughs> and uh, Samantha and I were, were struggling up the mountain trying to get get it done before the keynote get up and back and and uh, we, we noticed that we had lost you and uh, we found we saw you a little bit ahead of us and, and you were just walking up this 45 degree incline like like you're walking on a flat surface while sucking on a cigarette I'll never forget that those are different times different times. Well, you can still probably do that and hopefully you're not uh, sucking on the cigarettes anymore. But Eduardo is, uh, um, uh, you know, not surprisingly given his uh, tour of duty uh, uh, in the Marines, has continued to serve his country uh, and uh, marry that with great design and great experiences and has had a number of roles uh, uh, in government and uh, government design and is at this point uh, in a new role where he is a, a director of product design at Siberia, a product and engineering studio, where he's working to help stand up a, a social impact practice to, to help make the world a better place. And anyone who knows Eduardo is not surprised that that's his goal in life. Uh, if you want to learn more about Siberia, it's uh, Siberia, like the place.io. Uh, but we're going to talk about a different role today that Eduardo is, is taking. He is one of the four theme leaders at Enterprise UX 2018, which is taking place in San Francisco, June 13th through 15th. And uh, first of all, what's a theme? It's like a, a little mini conference. We have four of them at every Enterprise UX. It's a single track conference, but it's got four parts. And each part has a theme leader. And, and one of them happens to be Eduardo. And he's got three speakers, like all the other themes. They'll have three speakers, uh, three presentations, and a, a Q&A and a leader. And Eduardo is leading uh, the theme on uh, build, it's called build. And I'll tell you what build is about. I'll actually read it to you. Build focuses on ideating, sketching, modeling, and prototyping necessary to develop effective and flexible enterprise processes, products, and strategies. So um, building is something that we're, we're all focused on doing in one way or another if we're in the UX world. But doing that in an enterprise context is really challenging and it's unique. It, the enterprise has challenges of scale and distribution and cultural complexity uh, that you don't necessarily see in other environments. And so Eduardo has pulled together with the help of many of you listening, we did a heck of a lot of user research to put together um, three speakers, some of whom came through that research where we asked for people to suggest speakers and some through his own networks. 
uh, and his three speakers. Um, we're going to talk about today and talk about the theme and how these three speakers hang together. So um, rather than uh, me telling you all who those speakers are, maybe it'd be nice for you to hear a little bit more from Eduardo. You want to run through the lineup and, and uh, tell us about them, Eduardo? Yes, absolutely. Thank you, Lou. So I have three amazing speakers, extremely talented, seasoned people uh, that are going to talk about the build theme and that are going to shed light on what it means to actually create things and to do so within constrained environments and how to do them effectively. <clears throat> the, the first one uh, of the group is Marita Martin, uh, who is a former chief technology officer at the Department of Veterans Affairs. Being a veteran myself, the work that Marina and her team did is near and dear to my heart. Uh, Marina oversaw the institution of, of the first United States digital service team at the Department of Veterans Affairs, uh, where the team basically worked on creating a cutting edge system that allowed veterans to get access to benefits that were critical to them from healthcare to burial services in a timely manner. When you're talking about your health, when you're talking about uh, potentially living on the streets, access to services and access to personnel that can immediately help you is critical. And Marina and her team did that and the team continues to, to work on that and to help veterans on a, on a daily basis. And the work that they do is just absolutely phenomenal. Uh, the second one is Hussani Oakley. Um, he's the, currently the SVP and Director of Technology at Deutsch, uh, the agency. And Hussani has been in the creative technology scene for as long as I've known folks in, in the field. He was one of the first people that I met when I came into the, the world of advertising in the early 2000s. Um, he has worked on deploying everything from a uh, from simple custom sites to large transactional e-commerce uh, and mobile solutions for for clients ranging from banks to uh, to pharmaceutical uh, organizations and everywhere in between. Uh, his work is inspirational because delivering, delivering on time and delivering uh, as people expected in advertising, in the advertising world is quite challenging. And the last one and not the least is Mariah Hay, who is currently the Vice President of Product at Pluralsight. Uh, Mariah has a incredible background where she before this worked in the world of health uh, dealing with uh, Medicare and Medicaid and how to get uh, people access to to healthcare something that we all need uh, she took a human-centered design approach to enabling uh, those things to happen which is not common and currently she's a plural side and a plural side she's applying everything that that she knows and everything that she believes in to help people learn about things whether it is uh trying to understand new technologies to just learning about the the job that they that they are that they are doing so 
distributed education, if you will. And the one thing that I that I love about Mariah, and which is what we are going to be focusing, is the ethics portion of the work that that she does, or the focus on it, where the system that they have created could be used for things that maybe are not ideal uh, when it comes to to handling personnel. Uh, and she is that that front line to deciding how the tool is used and ensuring that the tool is always used for good. Um, and we're going to be talking as well to uh, about that same thing to Husani and Marina as to how do they handle having to deliver in an environment that sometimes may require them to do things that are not right, that ethically are not correct. How do you deal with an encroaching timeline when the system is not accurate, when the work that is being done is not up to par? And in the case of Marina, a decision made could actually like hurt people. And the same of in the case of Hussani, uh, publishing work that is not that is not accurate uh, could be uh, detrimental to an organization. And that's going to be primarily what we're going to be focusing on when we're talking about Bill. Well, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm really personally very happy about that. And let me tell you why. And I know we've, we've probably talked about this before. I may have even touched on it in prior podcasts. But um, I was a consultant for the VA, the Department of Veterans Affairs, Oh, during the Bush administration, the second Bush administration, the second, the, uh, the W Bush. <laughs> Remember, it seems like so long ago, George W. Bush's administration, I forget if it was his first or second term, but we're talking about, you know, I don't know, 10 or 12 years ago now, probably. And this was my cold splash of water in the face introduction to ethics and design, uh, because um, I, I was you know, brought in as an information architect to help make veterans benefits for things like you described, uh, health care and, and, and burial benefits and so forth, more findable, so that they could actually take advantage of the benefits that veterans like yourself have, have come into you. And it was a struggle. And I kept finding roadblocks and roadblocks and roadblocks. And um, eventually I was just sick of banging my head against the wall. And I, I asked my client, uh, kind of a mid-level manager who certainly meant well and brought me in to, to see if they could uh, you know, start addressing this issue. I said, I just can't take this. And every time I try to work on making the information more findable, it won't let me. And he said, I think it boils down to this. I think ultimately the senior leadership here wants to not make benefits information findable because that means it's going to cost the department more money. One of my biggest regrets is not blowing that whistle right away. I, I, I publicly wrote about it a few years later, uh, but I really wish I had done something at that moment because that was unconscionable. I mean, think about just forget the ethics uh, in terms of how one's tax dollars are being used. Think about what it means for, as you said, people for whom this is a life or death thing. And that's still an issue. And I'm so happy so happy that folks like you and, and Marina Martin and other folks in, in certainly in uh, taxpayer funded enterprises are, are tackling this. Um, question for you. I know ethics is clearly going to be a big issue in, in this theme. 
it's not the only issue, uh, of course, that, that um, people who are uh, uh, trying to deliver services, build in an enterprise setting are, are dealing with. What are some of the other things that, that you think will come up? I think we're going to be uh, looking at design at scale, which is a big challenge when you're talking about build. Uh, we are going to take on uh, part of the conversation of what seems to be the new uh, defined damn thing, which is the, the whole piece about what is the difference between a style guide, a pattern library, and a design system. <laughs> we are also going to be looking at how do you ensure that your team can be successful, how to remove uh, roadblocks uh, in an institutional and systemic way so that you're not just moving things aside and they come back, but that your organization actually grows and understands why things need to be done in a specific way. And obviously ensuring that everything that is being done is being done from the standpoint that the people that work for you they're people, they're humans, and in one way, shape, or form, you need to take care of them and you need to ensure that they are successful because their success, ultimately, is your success. I love that. Love that. Wow. There's, there's a lot to chew on. Why, why these three people? How did you come up with them? So I, that's, that's a great question. Um, these three people, because I wanted to deliver a very specific message to anyone listening, watching, anyone attending. And that message is that the work that designers do is not just done by designers. The work that designers do is not just limited to design work. When you are crafting policy, when you are making decisions about what a product should or shouldn't do, about what information is required from someone trying to get access to something. You're making design decisions. You are making decisions for other people. Mm -hmm. Because as a designer, when you make these things, when you make these calls, ultimately other people are going to, to encounter them at some point. Uh, after you release. So I thought that it was critical to, to help everyone understand that whether you are in the government space uh, working on benefits, whether you are in a private organization working on a specific product uh, such as uh, Mariah is, or whether you are in advertising, creating products for a multitude of uh, organizations, you should still hold yourself, you should hold your organization, and you should hold those that report to you accountable for the work that they do. And I couldn't find anyone that would be better to represent those three pillars as Marina, Hussani, and Mariah. Well, and also they're a diverse group. I mean, you've got a, a, a CTO or a former CTO. Uh, and, and a director of technology. So I guess there's, there's some similarity there, but these are people that have, I think, very different perspectives than a lot of the folks that are, are gonna come to the conference uh, who might've come up through a more uh, traditional uh, path uh, in the design world into management leadership roles. 
in their enterprises. And, and that's fine. I mean, that's kind of what we're trying to do with Enterprise UX this year is, let me put it to you this way. When I look at the program and I'm kind of like, I go to a million conferences and have been for 20, 25 years now. Uh, I, I know a lot of people and I look at the program and not only do I see a lot of names and faces that I don't recognize, but I'm really thrilled by that. Uh, we wanted to kind of not have the, the usual suspects. We wanted to have some people that you may know their name, but a lot of people that you don't, that come from different fields, that come from different perspectives. And, you know, that's one reason we um, uh, started with a, a very diverse group of people curating and, and leading the four themes in Enterprise UX this year, because we knew by definition that the, the, uh, the people that we would be introduced to through that process, as well as through our, our suggested speaker user research process, would be people that we as conference programmers did not know already. And so um, it's funny. I'll add to that, Lou, that it is not just diverse based on the voices. It is diverse and representational. As we know in our country and the world, we have big challenges to overcome as to who is given a voice. And I wanted to ensure that everyone had a voice. And that is reflected by, by these three amazingly talented folks that I have the pleasure of sharing the stage with. And I think by the, the full roster, and I encourage people to check out the enterpriseux.net site, and you'll see that. And, you know, I'll just, um, we'll, we'll wind down and I'll, I'll, I'll make a point and then I'll turn it back over to you for a moment, Eduardo. But, you know, in terms of diversity, I, I've been saying this a lot and I kind of feel funny saying it, but I've, I've felt for, for a long time, probably my whole life, uh, that's how I've been raised, believe that diversity is a good thing because it's the right thing. As a designer, it's only been recently, however, that it caught up to me that diversity isn't just the right thing to do as a human to, to be um, supportive of, but as a designer, it leads to a better outcome, to a better product. And, you know, I, I probably have some authors like Sarah Horton and Whitney Cuisenberry, if they heard me say this, they'd be shaking their head. They'd be saying, didn't you, you published a book that makes that point. <laughs> but there's just, there's just something different about reading about it and, and understanding it that way. And, you know, designing conference programs is about the closest that I get to being a designer. And um, I'm confident that even though I don't necessarily know all the names uh, of the people on our program this year that I understand that this is going to be a richer lineup and a richer program than we maybe have ever had because of that diversity, that the product itself is, is going to be better. I absolutely agree. There's so much richness and so much to learn from one another that listening to just one voice, focusing on only one vertical merely isolates us. And we know for a fact, and I'm about to to quote Black Panther, but we know that there is so much more that unites us than that which divides us. And we need to be proactive and we need to be decisive about ensuring that people have a voice, that people are represented and that everyone can see themselves in those that are speaking, in those that are showing up. Well, Eduardo, I really appreciate the work that you and the other theme leaders and, and my co-curators as well 
have done to help develop that program, as well as many people uh, in our community who've helped shape uh, the, the program through suggesting speakers, whether people they know or themselves, either one. We certainly appreciate that. The program um, is coming together, but the speaker lineup is already there. Um, you can take a look at enterpriseux.net. Uh, if you listen to this before March 19th, you can still take advantage of the early bird registration discount. Uh, and the full program should be up just after April 1, assuming I can uh, herd cats and, and have, uh, and herd, uh, uh, actually it's kind of interesting with people like Eduardo now, I have to herd the cats who are herding the other cats. <laughs> Very meta. Anyway, um, thank you so much for your efforts, uh, Eduardo. Uh, again, uh, if you want to learn more about what Eduardo is up to right now, you might visit Siberia's site, siberialiketheplace.io. And uh, Eduardo, what's your, uh, what's your uh, link? And is there any uh, last words you want to leave us with? What's your, what's your website? Is it eduardoortiz.com? Uh, it is ed.uar.do. It's one of those fancy usernames. Do it again. You might have gotten a little chopped up there. Sure. My website is ed.uar.do. It's one of those vanity domain names. I like it. Any uh, last uh, little uh, uh, parting word you want to leave us with? Yeah. Well, first of all, thank you for having me. It's such a joy to to be part of this uh, of this program and to be working with such amazing uh, speakers and curators. If there's one thing that I want everyone to do, or even one of the people listening to this podcast, is go find Mike Montero's Design Ethics. He has published it in Medium, also as little books for reference. And in it, he explores what are the ethics of design. And I'll leave you with two sentences from it that are just really striking. A designer is first and foremost a human being. Before you are a designer, you are a human being. Like every other human being on the planet, you're a part of the social contract. We share a planet. By choosing to be a designer, you are choosing to impact people who come into contact with your work. You can either help them or hurt them with your actions. The effect of what you put into the fabric of society should always be a key consideration of your work. Amen, Mike. There's a reason uh, he's becoming a household name and those, uh, those words are, are ones that we all need to take to heart and I appreciate your sharing them. Thanks again, Eduardo. Great to have you on the show. Thank you, Lou. Thanks everyone. Thanks for listening. Mm -hmm.